Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82. A Psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good afternoon everyone in the United States, except on the West Coast and whatever time zones around the world. This is Kennard speaking. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program. When I say around the world, I'm talking about the over 2 billion people who have access to the Internet. Uh, It would be nice if all 2 billion were listening to me. That would only take a miracle of Yah, but that's the market reach that I do have for those who understand marketing. And for those who don't, that's one way to understand it, how many people you reach. Well, this program today, we will discuss um, Purim, or Purim, uh, that's how you pronounce it in in Hebrew, Uh, that's the Hebrew uh, way to pronounce it, and it's it's very significant in reference to understanding the abomination of desolation or the Great Tribulation. But before I get to that... Traditionally, what I do in this program, we go over what's going on in the news right now. There's a a number of things I want to cover. Uh, First, uh, let's go to watch.org, www.watch.org. And this is Koenig's International News. He does a fine job of investigating things that have anything to do with Jerusalem. Again, let's understand that things will start in Jerusalem and they will end in Jerusalem. Uh, Zechariah chapter 12, 13, and 14 highlights that and in other places in the Tanakh or what is commonly called today the Old Testament. Now, at watch.org, I see a headline here. It says, China's power plays in the Middle East. And China's thirst for oil creating new opportunities for peace in the Middle East? Or is China's thirst for oil creating new opportunities for peace in the Middle East? OPEC is about to collapse, says Shangra Baran. Israel must be ready for the new rules of the game as set by the U.S. and China. Russia nuclear bombers circle GOM. 
two Russian nuclear armed bombers circled the western Pacific island of Gan this week in the latest sign of Moscow's growing strategic assertiveness toward the United States. The Russian Tu-95 Bear A strategic bombers were equipped with nuclear-tipped cruise missiles and were followed by U.S. jets as they circumnavigated Gom on February 12th local time hours before President Barack Obama's State of the Union address. Now, this is interesting because during his address, also uh, Korea or North Korea was uh, doing their usual monkey business again with their nuclear bomb test. Um, Air Force Captain Kim Bender, a spokeswoman for the Pacific Air Force in Hawaii, confirmed the incident to the Washington Free Beacon and said Air Force F-15 jets based in on Anderson Air Force Base, GOM scrambled and responded to the aircraft. Now, we know that meteors will play a role in the end time. Well, it says, meteor explodes over Russia, about 1,100 injured, 3,000 buildings damaged. So this is pretty interesting, folks. It says, a meteor streaked across the sky and exploded over Russia's Ural Mountains with the power of an atomic bomb Friday. Let me underscore that. A meteor streaked across the sky and exploded over Russia's Ural Mountains with the power of an atomic bomb. Friday is sonic blast shattering countless windows and injuring about 1,100 people. The meteor estimated to be about 10 tons, which is 20,000 pounds. I think a ton is 2,000 pounds. Entered the Earth's atmosphere as a, at a hypersonic speed of at least 54,000 or 33,000 miles per hour. That's KTH. The miles per hour, which I prefer to to announce, is 33,000 miles per hour. It shattered into pieces about 30 to 50 kilometers, 18 to 32 miles about the ground or above the ground, the Russian Academy of Sciences said in a statement. The shock wave blew in an estimated 100,000 square meters, more than 1 million square feet of glass, according to city officials who said 3,000 buildings in the city were damaged at one zinc factory. Part of the roof collapsed. So this is interesting that we're starting to get um, these type of disturbances. It's definitely a sign of the times, folks, that uh, we are in the end times and and that we need to pay attention to these things. And in, in Revelation six verse, ter- I'm sorry, Revelation chapter six verse thirteen, it says, "And the stars of heaven." Now it can't be literal stars because <laughs> if the stars, if the literal stars of heaven flew or to to the earth, uh, we wouldn't live. So obviously he's talking about meteors here. And the stars of heaven fell into the earth, even as the fig tree cast of her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. So we know that's one of the signs of the times, having meteors come and destroy all kind of things on the earth. So this is very interesting, ladies and gentlemen. What also happened, I want to spend a little time talking about this, uh, because I very I really feel that this is very significant prophetically. In reference to uh, Ratzinger, uh, Pope Benedict, resigning as the Pope. Now, I know another false prophet that I know very well stated that, uh, I know he's going to probably try to cover up what he said, but um, he stated that he felt that uh, Ratzinger would be the last Pope. Well, we know that he's not the last Pope now. Now, there's an interesting prophecy, though. Uh, You can Google this on Wikipedia. Uh, in reference to the next pope being Peter the Roman. And this prophecy was by a Catholic called, uh, they, they think he's a saint now, Saint Malachi or whatever. And let me let me find it here. The prophecy is called the Prophecy of the Popes. I'm going to go to Wikipedia here real quickly. 
prophecy of the popes. You can go with me if you want. Wikipedia. I, I love Wikipedia. I tell you, it really helps me <laughs> get a bunch of facts very quickly. That's the power of the Internet. Okay, the prophecy of the popes. I'm reading this from the Wikipedia article. It says, the prophecy of the popes is a series of 112 short cryptic phrases in Latin which purport to predict the Roman Catholic popes, along with a few anti-popes, beginning with Pope uh, Celestine II. The alleged prophecies were first published by Benedictine monk Fra Arnold D. Wyan in 1595. Wyan attributes the prophecy to St. Malachi, or Malachi, or Malachi, I think that's a right pronunciation for that, the 12th century Irish Archbishop of Armagh. Given the very accurate description of the Pope's up to 1590 and the lack of accuracy after the year, academic historians generally conclude that the alleged prophecies were fabricated, written shortly before they were uh, published. However, it says right here, the current Bishop of Rome, Pope Benedict XVI, would correspond to the Pope described in the penultimate prophecy. The list ends with a Pope identified as Peter the Roman, whose pontificate will allegedly bring the destruction of the city of Rome, the Catholic Church, and usher the beginning of the apocalypse. So that's what's interesting about this. So Peter the Roman whose pontificate will allegedly bring the destruction of the city of Rome, the Catholic Church, and usher the beginning of the apocalypse. So that's, that's, that is, uh, I just wanted to highlight that. We'll see whether or not this prophecy has been pretty accurate, despite what historians think, uh, down through the, the ages here. But uh, we'll see. We need to keep an eye on this. There's a lot of other things that's going on right now uh, with uh, the uh, allowance of, homosexuality around the world, including this country. We're, we're leading the world in this, uh, it appears, at this time. And that's another sign. Another sign is um, I listened to a Bible study by Jim of um, Stan Stanley, I think, of A Passion for Truth Ministries about the Red Heifer. I did find out later that uh, actually someone else wrote about that um, in 2011. Uh, I think he got some of the material from this other gentleman, but nonetheless, uh, it's truth. And uh, it's interesting about the Red Heifer that uh, the templeinstitute.org, the rabbi that heads the Temple Institute, uh, is claiming that in 2010 there was a Red Heifer uh, located. He told me there's actually two, or he's telling us, rather, that there's actually two Red Heifers and According to Jewish tradition, I couldn't find yet in the scriptures that uh, there's three years you have to wait before confirmation of a red heifer, but in, definitely in the Mishnah and the oral law, uh, that tradition holds up. So anyway, uh, three years from 2010 is this year. So it's pretty interesting because the Jews feel that whenever a red heifer is confirmed, then it's time to start building the temple. So we need to keep an eye on that. That's very significant news there. And if you want to find out more about the red heifer and the significance in reference to Yeshua, because Yeshua is definitely, he's a type of red heifer. He's a type of the lamb that was used at the Passover sacrifice. And he also has something to do with the Yom Kippur uh, ritual as far as uh, being the, uh, the high priest that goes into the Holy of Holies and presents himself 
and cleanses himself and also well he didn't have to cleanse himself but he as a high priest cleanses us from our sins so that's what the Yom Kippur and that's the simplest way I can explain it there so he, he represents all three of those facets the Yom Kippur he's active in Yom Kippur he's active as, as the Passover sacrifice and also the red heifer and that could all be proved uh, through the scriptures now one of the things that I'm trying to prove however uh, <laughs> as far as the red heifer, the three-year qualification, is that does that have something to do with the fact that Yeshua had a three-year ministry? But that's something I still need to, to go into and study. But nevertheless, that was a good Bible study by Jim of um, Passion for Truth Ministries. And uh, I did, again, I did research the Internet. Uh, I Googled um, red heifer uh, qualification for three years. I think I typed into that. I can't remember exactly what phrase I used, and I came across this article, and many of the things in the article uh, Jim was uh, referring to. So um, that, that's that's uh, interesting that uh, truth is out there, and uh, it's, the truth is there for anyone to to adhere to. You just have to search for it, seeking you shall find. And uh, Jim does that, and uh, that was a very good Bible study. The only question that I do have is the three-year, should we assume that, Yeshua's ministry was for three years because the red heifer, uh, traditionally, according to Jewish oral law, because, again, I, I can't, I don't see that in the scriptures, that the red heifer was confirmed. It had to be uh, for three years. It had to wait three years for it to be confirmed. Does that mean also that his ministry had to be three years for it, the ministry to be confirmed? I don't know. So far to me, that's an assumption, but I have to do further Bible study to confirm that. If anyone has any more information about that, I appreciate it if you email that to me, canard at mercifulserviceofgod.com. But again, that was a very excellent uh, Bible study by Jim, uh, and uh, he does have some good teachings. Um, I recommend you go to his website, A Passion for Truth Ministries, and uh, he does have some good uh, Bible studies uh, that anyone would learn from. All right, so I think I covered... Uh, well, you already know about the homosexuality stuff and everything. I've covered that, and if you've been getting my newsletters, uh, you, you understand the significance of that. If not, uh, please go. If you want to get my newsletter, go to my website, mercifulserviceofgod.com. A drop-down box will appear. Put your uh, name and email address, and you'll start immediately receiving um, my free newsletters once you confirm you want to be on a subscription list. Now, I did cover last week the importance of uh, exercise and the importance of, of staying uh, in, in health and also using herbs, eating fruits and vegetables, and, and uh, the fact that that is our true medicine according to the Bible. What I forgot to cover, unfortunately, was how do you eat now? I mean, how, how, how should your diet be? So I'm going to cover that before I get into um, Purim and what it's all about, or Purim. And I'm going to quote this from Dr. Christopher's newsletter. You can get his newsletter by going to my website, go to the Elements and Cleansing Programs um, tab, click on that. You'll go right to uh, a special Dr. Christopher's website, and then you'll be able to click on there and go to Dr. Christopher's uh a store, and then you'll be able to sign up on this newsletter. If you need help with that, just email me. But it's a free newsletter, and he has real good, insightful information on how to eat 
and how herbs help you heal. But anyway, I'm just going to quote from this recent newsletter that I got from Dr. Christopher. is the February newsletter uh, from this individual. She says, I first started with exchanging white flour for fresh. Let me see if I can find her name here. Let's see. Yeah, the title of the email I got is February 13th, 2013. It's Dr. Christopher's Herbal Legacy Newsletter. And it's sponsored by the School of Natural Healing and Christopher Publications. Oh, it's by Yvonne L. Salcido, or Salcido, I guess. S-A-L-C-I-D-O. Yvonne L. Salcido. Yvonne L. Salcido. What do I eat now? So... Says I'm going to give you some ideas that help me on my journey. First, let me say I love to eat a lot. <laughs> a lot of Americans love to eat a lot, and it has to taste good. And I tell you, my wife, she loves to eat, and she loves for it to taste good. And I think most people like that as well, including myself. And I'm sure God does, and sure, and all the angels. Anyway, I also have a large family with seven children, so I had to start with selling what I call a politically correct table. So she started to set what she calls a politically correct table. It is possible to make changes and make it fun and delicious and easy. I first started with exchanging white flour for fresh ground whole wheat. My kids still love the cookies, and hot homemade bread with honey is irresistible. I next substituted... All right, let me go over this. So what she did, she started exchanging white flour for fresh ground whole wheat. So that is something that each and every one of us need to change in our diets. I've already changed that in my diet. I don't eat any bread unless it has wheat in it. So because if you eat the the, the flour that doesn't have wheat in it, then you're going to encourage your body to store up unnecessary sugars, which would lead to diabetes and, and being overweight. So anyway, she says, I first started with exchanging white flour for fresh ground whole wheat. Says my kids still love the cookies and hot homemade bread with honey is irresistible. I next substituted one, um, I don't know, I guess this is a teaspoon honey for one. Anyway, I'll just forget about the measurements here. She says, I next substituted honey for sugar. So she substituted honey for sugar. This works in most recipes. You could also use one half cup of chopped dates. Once in a while, I will use 100% pure maple syrup, grade C, or agave, A-G-A-V-E. Both of these are also one half of the sugar amount. These are more processed. These are more processed, so I use them more for special occasion. I also started using carob instead of chocolate. By the way, giving up sugar and chocolate got rid of my migraine headache. So she's making an important point there that giving giving up white table sugar, and that's the kind of sugar that's not really good for you, that's just totally white, that's what she's talking about, and chocolate got rid of my migraine headaches. Okay, next, the next change I made was using almond, mild rice milk, or organic soy milk in place of dairy. So, yeah, I don't even drink milk at all anymore because it's not made properly. I began by using, as far as once they get it from a cow, they they just don't do what they're supposed to do properly, and it'll, it'll make you sick. So I don't even drink any milk anymore. I began by using ready-made rice milk, but now I try to make my own almond milk. 
Organic soy milk can be used to replace eggs in a recipe. So organic soy milk can be used to replace eggs in a recipe. And, and she stated here, then I got rid of beef and went to organic turkey or chicken. I wouldn't get rid of beef, but you should. There's a book that you should buy. Um, it's called What Would Jesus Eat? What Would Jesus Eat? And it has a guide that people in the Middle East, it's called the Mediterranean Diet, follow. And on the top, if I can remember, on the top of the um, pyramid, structure is uh, eating uh, fish, and at the bottom is eating all the rest of the foods that you normally eat. I'm trying to remember exactly how the pyramid is structured. But anyway, it's, it's, it's more on what she's saying here, not eating as much beef and eating organic turkey or chicken and really eating uh, a lot of fish. And that's what Yeshua did, and that's what his followers did. They eat a lot. They ate a lot of fish. Instead of uh, you know chicken and turkey and beef all the time, and that's the reason why a lot of Americans are, are fat and they wax fat because they eat too much meat. So you have to cut back on the meat. So anyway, I then got rid of beef and went to organic turkey or chicken. I cut down to only I cut down to only twice a week, then to once a week. Next, I substituted poultry with wild salmon or organic scale fish once a week. Then I went to once a month, and to understand what type of fish, to understand what type of fish uh, you should eat. Now this isn't the hello. The other book. Yeah, someone was giving me uh, about what would Jesus eat, uh, but it was the men, uh, it was the cookbook. I need the other book. I don't know if they'll be able to find that. But anyway, <laughs> hopefully they can find it because I would love to go over that pyramid. But if not, then you can. Go ahead and get that book. I would recommend you get the book anyway. It's an excellent book. What would Jesus eat? But anyway, uh, where was I here? I got rid of the beef and went to organic turkey or chicken. I cut down only twice a week, then to once a month. Next, I substituted poultry with wild salmon organic scale fish once a week. Then I went to once a month. Once a month. Now I eat meat very sparingly. According to the pyramid, according to memory, that you should eat beef really just once a month. And if you really love beef, you just do it once a week. But really, based on that pyramid, the Mediterranean diet is once a month. Okay, here we go. I got the book. Thank you. All right. So let me see if I can find the pyramid here. Let's see if I can find the old pyramid here. Here we go, the Mediterranean health style. So on page 195, the book is was written by Don Colbert, M.D., and it says, what would Jesus eat? The ultimate program for eating well, feeling great, and living longer. And it's on page 195. Okay. The Mediterranean health style is on page 199 in this book. And at the top of the pyramid is fats, oils, and sweets used sparingly. And the fat is talking about naturally occurring and added, and sugars added. So those are the see these symbols show fats and and added sugars in foods. So anyway, you guys can't see the, the keys there, but anyway, <laughs> at the top of the pyramid, fats, oils, and sweets used sparingly. 
Okay, the next level of the pyramid, milk, yogurt, and cheese group, two to three servings. Um, this is um, a week. And then meat, poultry, fish, dry beans, eggs, nuts, groups, two to three servings. And then the third section is vegetables, three to five servings. And then fruit group, two to four servings. And then at the bottom of the pyramid, at the bottom of the pyramid, is uh, bread, cereal, rice, and pasta, 6 to 11. Okay, wait a minute. Uh, that, that's the, this is the uh, United States Department of, of Agriculture pyramid. Okay, this is what they recommended you eat. Now, let's compare that with the Mediterranean pyramid, which is on page 200. I'm sorry about this. So I just read you the USDA food guide pyramid. Now, here's the Mediterranean pyramid on page 200. Monthly, you should eat red meat. Weekly sweets like ice cream and and all that, eggs, poultry, and fish. As far as the sweets, I would really recommend you get sweets that have not corn syrup in it, but um, natural sugar, cane sugar. And cane sugar is sugar that is brown. It's not brown sugar because brown sugar, all that is, is sugar colored with brown coloring or whatever. But uh, real sugar is should have color in it. All right, and then you should drink wine in moderation, and then cheese and yogurt, olive oil, fruits, beans, legumes, nuts, vegetables daily, and then, of course, bread, pasta, rice, and other whole grains and potatoes. So the cheese and yogurt, Olive oil, fruits, beans, vegetables, bread, pasta, rice. And the rice should be brown rice. It shouldn't be the white rice. Uh, that should be daily. And, of course, you should have daily physical activity, except uh, Shabbat. Well, on Shabbat, you could, as long as it's for health reasons, you, you could do a 30 minutes uh, on the treadmill, whatever. So you should get the body moving. Yah or God did not desire and does not desire for our bodies to just lay in a chair all day or just look at television for six hours a day. Uh, he wants us to, to be able to move that has some kind of activity. So again, let me go over what this diet, which I believe is inspired by God himself on how we should eat, and then also Leviticus chapter 11 and Deuteronomy chapter 14 shows you which meats you should eat and what fish you should eat, Okay. So as far as the meat, red meat should be on a monthly basis. Uh, sweets, eggs, poultry, and fish should be on a weekly basis. The sweets, don't eat any sweets that have corn syrup in it or high fructose corn syrup. It should be sweets that have at least all natural cane sugar in it or preferably honey or maple syrup. Daily, you should eat yogurt. And cheese, I would eat more yogurt than cheese. Um, olive oil, fruits, nuts, beans, and vegetables on a daily basis, and bread and rice. And then, of course, you should have some kind of daily physical activity like 30 minutes on a treadmill or whatever type of activity that you like. And if you follow this, and then, of course, wine should be drinking or should be drunk, rather, in, in, in moderation, and then you should have at least 
six to eight glasses of water a day. He says six. I would I would say actually eight glasses of water a day. So that's that's the way you should eat. Now let me get through reading this. What she's saying here. Uh, I then got rid of beef and went to organic turkey or chicken. I cut down to only twice a week, then to once a week. Next, I substituted poultry with wild salmon or organic scale fish once a week. Then I went to once a month. I now eat meat very sparingly. And uh, I don't know if she's referring to red meat, but uh, according to what I read, to you don't have to eat meat that sparingly like she does. But according you know, red meat, because red meat has a lot of fat in it, you should just eat that once a month. So then I went to once a month. I now eat meat very sparingly, which by definition means hardly ever. I reserve it for winter or times of famine. So what she means is if she's starving and she hasn't had no food in two, three days, then she eats a lot of meat, <laughs> red meat. So there's other simple changes of brown rice instead of white. So there's brown rice instead of white, whole oats instead of instant oats, healthy fats such as olive oil. I just read that to you. Uh, the Mediterranean diet on page 200 of What Would Jesus Eat? Uh, whole wheat instead of instant, healthy fats such as olive oil and coconut oil instead of butter or vegetable oils, and sea salt. So we have sea salt here. We don't eat any of that other salt. Sea salt or Celtic sea salt in place of regular table salt. Wherever your diet is now, start with these changes and eat lots of fresh greens, vegetables, and fruits. And what did I say last week? What is the real medicine? What I just read to you, lots of fresh greens vegetables and fruits, and on top of that, essential oils, which comes from vegetables anyway, and fruits. You can make a big impact on improving your health without a lot of effort. So this is an excellent uh, newsletter from Dr. Christopher. I encourage that you subscribe to it. It's absolutely free. It's called the Herbal Legacy Newsletter, and you can search this on Google uh, to sign up. All right, so I just wanted to point that out, and also... For those who want to get herbs or essential oils at, at decent prices, there's two websites. I know one website sells essential oil. I didn't, I didn't research the other one to see whether or not it did or not. I didn't have enough time to do so. But um, these two websites I go to and I order, um, especially my mynaturalmarket.com. Mynaturalmarket.com. I go to that website frequently to order Dr. Christopher Herbs. And so when you go to my website, mercifulserviceofgod.com, and you, you click on ailments and healing programs, uh, when you click on that, it'll take you to his website that will show you what particular ailment you may have. I'm going to go to that again so I could. So you go to my website and you click ailments and cleansing programs. It's ailments and cleansing programs. That's, that's the tab that you click on my website, Merciful Service of God. It'll take you to Dr. Christopher's Herbal Legacy natural healing with herbs for a healthier you and then it has elements and cleansing programs and you go to the you, you scroll down to the bottom and it has the most popular elements known to man and then if you click on say for instance uh, bad breath you click on bad breath he, he talks about what the definition of bad breath is smelly breath also referred to as halitosis and it says the cause and speaking of constipation and need for three bowel movements a day, the wiser way is to work on the cause of unplugging and cleaning out the sewer line so there will be no more backing of sewage. So generally if somebody has bad breath, that that could be a constipation problem or you need to have your bowels cleansed out. And he says within the human body we find a sewage line that is backed up by constipation and the horrible odor of of comes out the front door. 
acid is open. So anyway, he has a little sense of humor. But anyway, it says herbal aids, bad breath, indigestion, and poor digestion. Carry clothes in pocket and chew on them. And he says myrrh, or myrrh, rather. Myrrh is, is uh, good. That's an herb. And then parsley is good for that experiment. And then cloves. And then he also he has a, a uh, herb that you can get called lower bowel that can help in that condition as well. So he gives natural remedies that you may have in your home already, or you can get one of his herbs. And when you go to, when you click on an ailment, on the left side he has a menu bar. You can click at where it says Christopher Websites. And when you get to Christopher Websites, you can click to where it says Christopher's Herb Shop. And this is at, this is Dr. Christopher's actual herb shop where you can get, um, in most cases, um, any of his um, herbal combinations or any of his herbs. Also, there's two other places. like I like, the, I like uh, My Natural Market because they're pretty quick when they ship stuff out to me. And then LifeBomb.com if you can't find Dr. Christopher's um, herbs through my natural market, uh, more than likely you'll find them at Life Bomb. I've ordered from them before as well. Now, I know my natural market, they also sell essential oils, uh, the, the pure essential oils. So I don't know if Life Bomb does that or not. But anyway, you can you can find out for yourself. So it's Life Bomb, L-I-F-E-B as in boy, A-L-M.com, and then mynaturalmarket.com. So that should complete the Bible study that I gave last week on on what real medicine is and so forth. And if you have any other questions or concerns, feel free to uh, email me at canard at mercifulserviceofgod.com, and I'll give you more information about that, or I'll try to answer your questions to the best of my ability. little disclaimer, uh, please consult your doctor before you take any herbs. All right, I must say that. All right. So let's let's, um, talk about... Purim, the Hebraic way of saying it, or English way is Purim. What is Purim? What is it all about? And what is, what's the significance of it now in these end times? And for those who uh, received my newsletter, uh, all I'm going to do is go by the newsletter. Uh, it really contains all the information I need to give this Bible study. And I'm going to quote from this book called God's Appointed Times by Barney Caston on page 121. It says the feast of uh, Purim, or Purim, while considered a minor holiday by the Jewish community, is nonetheless a time of great joy. Its important message is revealed by the name Purim, literally lots. This recalls a time in Jewish history when the lot was cast to decide the day of the destruction of the Jews. Fortunately, there is a living God who saw to it that this evil plan was never fulfilled. Purim is God's appointed time to celebrate the protection of his people from the dangers of their enemies. So this is found in God's Appointed Times by Barney Caston on page 121. Purim is a Jewish tradition that is recorded in Scripture. So this is actually found in Scripture, ladies and gentlemen. And so, um, yeah, I guess I can read... um, some of this anyway. So the Jews in Shushan assembled also on the 14th day of the month of Adar and killed 300 men in Shushan, but they did not touch the spoil. The other Jews, those in the royal provinces, had assembled, defended their lives, and won rest from their enemies, killing 75,000 of those who hated them, but without touching the spoil, on the 13th day of the month of Adar. 
So on the 14th day of Adar, they rested and made it a holiday for celebrating and rejoicing. However, the Jews of Shushan assembled on both the 13th and 14th days of Adar. So it was on the 15th that they rested and made it a holiday for celebrating and rejoicing. Uh, continuing the quote here from the Bible. It's found in Esther chapter 9, verses 15 to 32. Esther chapter 9, verses 15 to 32 in your Bible. This is why the Jews of the villages, those who live in unwalled towns, make the 14th day of the month Adar, a day for celebrating and rejoicing, a holiday, and a time for sending each other portions of food. Mordecai recorded these events and sent letters to all the Jews in all the provinces of King um, Aceres, <laughs> both near and far, instructing them to observe the 14th day of the month of Adar and the 15th day every year to commemorate the days on which the Jews obtained rest from their enemies and the month which for them was turned from sorrow into gladness and from mourning into a holiday. They were to make them days of celebrating and rejoicing, sending portions of food to each other and giving gifts to the poor. So the Jews took it upon themselves to continue what they had already begun to do, and as Mordecai had written to them, because Haman, the son of Hamdata, the Agai, or the Amorite, the enemy of the Jews, had plotted against the Jews to destroy them and had thrown pure, that is, cast lots, to crush and destroy them. But when Esther came before the king, he ordered by letters that Haman's wicked scheme, which he had plotted against the Jews, should recoil on his own head, and that he and his son should be hanged on the gallows. This is why these days have been called um, Purim and the word Pur. Thus, because of everything written in this letter and what they had seen concerning this matter and what had come upon them, the Jews resolved and took upon themselves their descendants and all who might join them that without fail they would observe these two days in accordance with what was written in this letter and at the appointed time every year and these days would be remembered and observed throughout every generation, every family, every province, and every city, and that these days of Purim would never cease among the Jews or their memory be lost by their descendants. And this is a prophecy that has been fulfilled and continue to be fulfilled because the Jews still honor Purim. Then Esther the queen, the daughter of Evacali, and Mordecai the Jew gave full written authority full written authority, so this was Esther and Mordecai doing this, to confirm his second letter by Purim. He sent copies of it, Mordecai, to all the Jews, to the 127 provinces of the kingdom of Ahasuerus. That's the proper way of pronouncing it. I know you can pronounce it in different ways, but that's one of the ways to pronounce it. Ahasuerus, or Hazarus, or Hazarus ensuring their peace and security and requiring the observance of these days of Purim at their designated times, as Mordecai the Jew and Esther the queen had joined them, and as they had established for themselves and the descendants of concerning the matters of fasting and lamenting. At Esther's order, these matters of Purim were confirmed and put in writing in the book. So by Queen Esther's authority, it was put in the book. Now, since we are also part of the commonwealth of Israel, which the tribe of Judah, or the Jews, are a part of, we should also celebrate Purim. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 to 13 proves that. And let me read that to you. Yes. Let me go to it here. Ephesians chapter 2, 
verse 13. Actually, let's start in verse 12. That at that time you were without Messiah, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without Yah in the world. Verse 13, but now in Messiah Yeshua, or Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made near by the blood of Christ. So the blood of Christ brings us near or near to the commonwealth of Israel or makes us a part of the commonwealth of Israel. Okay, so I just wanted to bring that point out. And then the second Thessalonians two verse fifteen in the King James Version it says, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions, hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or by our epistle. And this is a very significant scripture in Second Thessalonians chapter two verse fifteen. Because many people, many so called Christians, well, why should we observe these days? Uh, you know, well, I just read to you why. Uh, hold in the original Hebrew means kratio. It means to seize or retain. Okay, to take. So we we should any any day or any observance that's going to help us obey God, we should be fervent to keep. It says the word tradition in the above scripture is paraosis in Greek, and it means. Um, transmission that is concretely a precept, specifically a Jewish traditionary law, ordinance tradition, or part of the traditions of the Jews. Now remember, Yeshua stated that salvation is of the Pope? No. Of Muslims? No. Of Buddha? No. No. He said that salvation is of the Jews. And so there, obviously he's confirming Jude the Judaisms or of that time, and, and he's confirming Judaism's today, but we must use a filter. And I will discuss what that filter is here in a few minutes. But anyway, Purim is a Jewish tradition that certainly does not make void the Torah of Yah. Let's turn to Mark chapter 7, Mark chapter 7, verse 7 to 13. It says, How be it in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men? Verse 8, for laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things ye do. Verse 9, and he said unto me, full well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your own tradition. Verse 10, for Moses said, honor thy father and thy mother, and whosoever curseth father or mother, let him die to death. That word curseth means to revile, to speak evil of. So it's not just cursing at your parents, but speaking evil of your parents. So we've got to be very careful of speaking evil of your parents, even if your parents have done evil to you. And I've been guilty of that, and you know I have repented of that, or I am repenting of that. But anyway, verse 11, But ye say, if a man shall say to his father or mother, it is Corbin, that is to say, a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and you don't do what you should to help your parents. So, you know, what what Yeshua is stating here is that if we have parents and they need help, then you are commanded to help them. That's what he's saying here. Uh, let me read this in an easier version here. Uh, in Mark 7, verse 11, 
in the complete Jewish Bible version. But you say, if someone says to his father and mother, I have promised as a Corbin that is a gift to God what I might have used to help you, then you no longer let him do anything for his father and mother. So part of obeying the commandment to honor your father and mother is to take care of your father and mother when they are in need, folks. And if you don't do that, you're violating that commandment. Verse 13, thus with your tradition, which you had handed down to you, which is the oral law, which became the Mishnah eventually, okay, you nullify the word of God, and you do other things like this. This does not mean that if there's any traditions that the Jews do have, any other traditions from any tribe or, or, or group, if they help enhance the Bible, if it helps you obey the true Yah, then that's tradition that you should accept. Like the tradition of July 4th is, is, is uh, the independence of this nation from a, a, a British government at that time that was taxing uh, their people like crazy. And what they did, they, they um, flew to the United States to get away from that oppression. There's certainly nothing wrong with celebrating July 4th because it, it represents the independence from that tyranny, from that uh, oppression. And it has everything to do with um, the Torah and instructions of God. So that's an example of the many that I can give of certain traditions that we should honor. And um, Purim has every, everything to do with the Bible. Okay? So um, let's go back to my newsletter here. So we understand that Purim does not make void the Torah and... Let me just quote another uh, scripture here so that you understand this, what Yeshua stated himself about the Jews and how significant they are and how we should carefully investigate their teachings. And, and, their, and, the, and the teachings that do line up with the Torah, we should accept. Those that don't, we shouldn't. And what I mean by Torah, the instructions and teachings of Yah, including the apostolic scriptures. That's another Bible study. But anyway... Anything that has come from the mouth of God and transmitted over to his prophets, and of course Yeshua is the greatest prophet of all time, is considered instruction from him. All right, so getting back to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, verse 24. Actually, verse 22. It says, You people don't know what you are worshiping. We worship what we do know. Because salvation comes from the Jews. So salvation comes from the Jews. Yeshua was a Jew. The apostles were Jews. The Bible was written by mostly Jews. The reason I'm saying mostly because Luke um, was a Gentile. He may have converted other Jude to Judaism at that time, but he was definitely a Gentile. He had Gentile origins. So with the exception of Luke, the whole the rest of the Bible was written uh, by Jews, it appears, or mostly by Jews. So let's uh, remember that fact. And then Paul in Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 3, says, Then what advantage has the Jew? In verse Romans chapter 3, verse 1. What advantage has to do? What is the value of being circumcised? Or circumcision in this context, meaning, of course, adding the uh, oral law, the Mishnah, and the Talmud, and all that, even though uh, the Talmud was later 
written, the Mishnah was written first, um, back in around 250 A.D., around that time. Uh, it says, then what advantage has the Jew? What is the value of being circumcised or keeping the oral traditions? Verse 2, much in every way, in the first place, the Jews were entrusted with the very words of God. Verse 3, if some of them were unfaithful, so what? Does their faithfulness cancel God's faithfulness? Heaven forbid. All right, so even if they don't believe in Messiah, does it mean that they still don't have an advantage? So we need to understand that and accept that. Okay, back to my newsletter here. All right, so Purim is a day of doing the following. Celebrating and rejoicing. We're celebrating because Purim pictures, if we trust Yah, He will deliver us. Giving portions of food to fellow believers. Giving gifts to the poor. So that's what the scriptures indicate. That these are the three things we should be doing scripturally, according to what was written down, celebrating and rejoicing, giving portions of food to fellow believers, and giving gifts to the poor. Now, a good tradition that was added to the celebration of Purim, uh, I'm going to quote from Judaism 101, Purim. You can go to that website if you want. The primary commandment related to Purim is to, and this is according to Jewish tradition, is to hear the reading of the book of Esther. The book of Esther is commonly known as the Megillah, M-E-G-I-L-L-A-H, which means scroll. Although there are five books of Jewish scripture that are properly referred to as Megillahs, Esther, Ruth, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs, the Song of Songs, and Lamentations, this is the one people usually mean when they speak of the Megillah. It is customary to boo, his stamp feet, and rattle graggers or noisemakers whenever the name of Haman is mentioned in the service. The purpose of this custom is to blot out the name of Haman, in addition, we are commanded to send out gifts of food or drink and to make gifts to charity. The sending of gifts of food and drink is referred to as shalak, manos, sending out portions among Ashkenazic Jews. A common treat at this time of year is Haman's pockets. Ashkenazi Jews, I should say, or Ashkenazic Jews. These triangular fruit-filled cookies are supposed to represent Haman's three-cornered hat. So that's some good tradition that they add to the celebration of Purim. The important lesson of Purim is Elohim will protect his people if his people obey him. We must be courageous. And let me turn to Joshua chapter 1, verse 6 to 9 to understand what God reveals about being courageous. How are we courageous? How should we be courageous? Joshua chapter 1, starting in verse 6. It says, be strong, be bold, for you will cause this people to inherit the land I swore to their fathers. I will give them, verse 7, only be strong and very bold in taking care to follow all the Torah, which Moshe, my servant, ordered you to follow. Do not turn from it either to the right or to the left. Then you will re succeed. It says, then you will succeed wherever you go. So how do you have success? <coughs> verse 7, only be strong and very bold in taking care to follow all the Torah which Moshe, my servant, ordered you to follow. Do not turn from it either to the right or to the left, then you will succeed wherever you go. Verse 8, yes, keep this book of the Torah on your lips and meditate on it day and night, or think about it day and night, so that you will take care to act according to everything written in it. Then your undertakings will prosper and you will succeed. Succeed doesn't mean having lots of money. It means being able to make the right type of decisions about your possessions and being able to make the right type of decisions 
so that you'll be able to live properly, so that you won't have the curses of the Torah upon you. Okay. Now, notice the, the courage of Mordecai here. It says, that when Mordecai learned everything that had been done, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out through the city, lamenting and crying bitterly. And he stopped before the, entering the king's gate, since no one was allowed to go inside the king's gate wearing sackcloth. In every province reached by the king's order and decree, there was great mourning among the Jews, with fasting, weeping, and wailing, as many lay down on sackcloth and ashes. So the Jews and Mordecai, they followed Mordecai's lead, and they, they fasted, and, and they were lamenting. When the girls and officials attending Esther came and informed her of this, the queen became deeply distressed. She sent clothes for Mordecai to wear instead of his sackcloth, but he wouldn't accept them. So Esther summoned um, uh, Hatkai, rather, one of the king's officials attending her, and instructed him to go to Mordecai and find out what was, what this was all about and why. Hatkai went out to Mordecai in the open space in front of the king's gate, and Mordecai told him everything that had happened to him and exactly how much silver Haman had promised to put in the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the decree for the destruction issued in Shushan so that he could show it to Esther, explain it to her, and then instruct her to approach the king, intercede with him, and implore his favor on behalf of the people. So anyway, uh, to make the long story short here, uh, Mordecai reminded Esther about her special place among uh, the the rural area of uh, where she was at right now uh, at that particular period of time. She was married to the king, the king of Persia at that time, and she had some influence, and he reminded her of that. And then this is covered in Esther 4, verse 1 to 17. And then I just want to read this here, what Esther stated here. She says, Go assemble all the Jews to be found in Shushan and have them fast for me neither eating nor drinking for three days, night and day. Also, I and the girls attending me will fast the same way. Then I will go into the king, which is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. So she was willing to sacrifice her life for Yah. And that's something that we need to do. We call ourselves believers. Uh, we should be willing to sacrifice ourselves uh, for Yah if required. And then also to, to add to this understanding we need to be able to sacrifice for one another as well. Um, Isaiah chapter 58, verse 6 to 12, covers the type of fast that he wants. Uh, he says, Here is the sort of fast I want, releasing those unjustly bound, untying the throngs of the yoke, letting the oppressed go free, breaking every yoke, sharing your food with the hungry. That's what Purim, or Purim is all about, right? Taking the homeless poor into your house. I know um, good friends of mine that have done that. And they will be tremendously blessed for doing that. You know who I'm talking about. <laughs> I know you're listening to me. So uh, you took the homeless poor into your house, and you will be rewarded for that. Clothing the naked when you see them, fulfilling your duty to your kinsmen. He says, then your light will burst forth like the morning. Your new skin will quickly grow over your womb. Your righteousness will precede you, and Adonai's glory will follow you. Then you will call, and Adonai will answer you will cry, and he will say, here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, stop false accusation and slander. Stop gossiping and talking about people in a bad way behind your back, or behind their backs, rather. Generously offer food to the hungry and meet the needs of the person in trouble. We must all learn how to do that. Then your light will rise in the darkness and your gloom become like noon. Adonai will always guide you. He will satisfy your needs in the desert. He will renew 
to strengthen your limbs. And that's interesting. He will satisfy your needs in the desert. That's another Bible study. Anyway, he will renew the strength in your limbs so that you will be like a water garden, like a spring whose water never fails. You will rebuild the ancient ruins, raise foundations from ages past, and be called to repair broken walls and restore streets to live in. Yeshua expects us to fast. This is found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 to 18, for those who want to study that. Okay, so the believers... We should be living a life of sacrifice. And in John 15, verse 13, in the complete Jewish Bible version, it says, No one has greater love than a person who lays down his life for his friends. And in Luke chapter 9, verse 22 to 26, The Son of Man has to endure much suffering and be rejected by the elders, the head koanim, or priests, and the Torah teachers. And he has to be put to death, but on the third day he has to be raised to life. Then to everyone he said, If anyone wants to come after me, let him say no to himself. Take up his execution stake or cross daily, daily, he says, and keep following me. For whoever tries to save his own life will destroy it. But whoever destroys his life on my account will save it. What will benefit a person if he gains the whole world but destroys or forfeits his own life? For if someone is ashamed of me and of what I say, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and that of the Father and of the holy angels. In Luke chapter 9, verse 22 to 26. In Luke 14, verse 27, whoever does not carry his own execution stake or cross and come after me cannot be my Talmud or disciple. If we are true believers of the Messiah, then we are human beings living a life of great sacrifice. In Romans 12, verse 1 to 2, it says, I call upon you, therefore, brothers, through the compassion of Elohim, or Elohim, to present your bodies a living offering, set apart, well-pleasing to Elohim. Your reasonable worship, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transferred by the renewing of your mind, so that you prove what is good and well-pleasing and perfect desire of Elohim. So it's very important, folks, that we do that. In closing, whenever we celebrate Purim, we should remember the suffering of the Jews in ancient Iran, Persia. We should remember how they humbly fasted and followed the leadership of Mordecai and Queen Esther. We should remember the great courage of Esther. She was willing to die for her people. We should remember that Yah has promised to protect us if we consistently obey his Torah. Ultimately, as the great tribulation nears, we should make use of Purim to prepare us for the greatest time of trouble this world will ever experience. This is found in Proverbs 22, verse 3, Daniel chapter 12, Matthew 24, Verse 21 to 22, the anti-Messiah, a type of Haman, will appear and cause tremendous suffering on all of humanity. The good news is it will only last for 42 months, Revelation chapter 11, Revelation chapter 13. The Messiah will come with all the holy angels and his saints, you included, hopefully, to rule the earth, the entire universe, with true peace. With true peace. This is found in Hebrews 2, verse 5 to 10, Revelation chapter 19. Zechariah 14, Isaiah chapter 11, Isaiah chapter 2, verse 1 to 4. You can always uh, listen to this recording again, because it is being recorded. Now, based on the Jewish calendar, Purim is on Sunday, February 24th. Those going by the new moon calendar, the estimated dates, well, actually, I know what the date is now, is February 25th. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's celebrate Purim, realizing through all the sufferings we will experience, uh, Yah will save his people that trust and obey him. This is found in Proverbs 1, verse 33, and Psalm 91. Let's celebrate Purim with a renewed attitude of giving and sacrificing for our friends and fellow human beings. 
and the Spirit himself, this is Romans 8, verse 16 18, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of God, and if we are children, we are also heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with the Messiah, provided we are suffering with him in order also to be glorified with him. I don't think the sufferings we are going through now are even worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us in the future. May God bless and keep you, and Elohim ready and willing, I'll be available to you next week. Shalom. Peace. Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. I invite you to subscribe to our free newsletter. To subscribe, go to www.mercifulserviceofgod.com and wait for the drop-down box. Or, if you're on Facebook, the Facebook box. Enter your name and email address. When you confirm your subscription, Elohim willing, you will receive emails about the good news, the gospel of the kingdom of Elohim. Additionally, you will receive emails about various Bible topics. Shalom. Peace. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.